You can gauge the spiritual pulse of a nation by the way they treat its children. I said you can gauge the spiritual pulse of a nation by the way it treats its children. Isaiah was a lonely voice during some good days and some dark days in Israel's history. In our text this morning, Isaiah 64 was a, Isaiah, you can look in, and you can glean into his voice. His, his voice was, was, was crying out to God that we need a move of God. We need his power again. It was a powerful prayer that, that came from the depths of Isaiah's soul. His prayer has so much to say to us today. You see, God only needs a man or a woman that will pray for his kingdom to come, for his kingdom to manifest on earth. Can I stand here and tell you that heaven, heaven is crying out for a manifestation on earth, but it takes a man, it takes a woman, it takes a church that stands between the porch and the altar. They're touching heaven and they're touching earth and they're pleading, oh, that thou would rend the heavens and that thy would come down, O oh God. Can I tell you this morning, God's waiting on you. I said, God's waiting on you. You have everything that you need to do all that he's called you to do. The only problem is you. God's waiting on you to step up and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Isaiah 64, 7. Isaiah says, and there is no one who calls on your name. What a profound statement made by Isaiah. There's no one who calls on your name. You see, when he was prophesying, there was very much religious activity during his days. You see, they, they, they still met. They still followed the script. Look what Isaiah says in, in verse 11 of chapter 1. This is God talking here. And he says, to what purpose? To what purpose? Isaiah 1, chapter 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of ram and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. You see, they were meeting together. They were having church together. They were doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do in church. Everything. It goes on to say in verse 14, this is God speaking here. Your new moons, your appointed feast. God says, my soul hates it. They are a trouble to me. I'm weary of bearing them. God says, when you spread out your hands to worship, to pray, to acknowledge me God says I'm going to hide my eyes from you even though you make many prayers I will not hear you your hands are full of blood they brought their sacrifice they lifted their hands toward God they made many prayers but God says I'm not going to hear you and I'm not going to look upon you your hands are full of blood they didn't stop meeting together. They had a, a well-greased religious machine. It was all programmed, but God was not in it. 
Just because you're in the church building doesn't necessarily mean God's in the building. Just because God's name is on the sign or in the doctrine doesn't mean God's there. Just because you sing, I fly away, oh glory, doesn't really mean you're going to fly away. There's no insurance on you having a hymn perfected. Just because you may be able to sing in the sweet by and by, we will meet on that beautiful shore could actually mean in the heat by and by when we gather by the lake of fire. What I'm saying is just because you're here today is not a guarantee you're going to make it. This is what's happening in the days of Isaiah. God says, when you lift your hands and spread them toward me, I'm going to turn my back on you. I'm not going to look at you. Because their heart was not in it. It was a man-made religious machine. And God says, I'm no part of that. My soul is tired of, of bearing that type of service. Israel was singing and clapping. They were sacrificing. But God said, I'm not in it. Isaiah said, there's no one who calls on your name. You see, we call on God, listen to me. We call on God to do many things in our lives. We call on Him to, God, to, to maintain and, and provide for us. Our, 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 I would have to say that the majority of Christians, when they get on their knees and they pray, it, it's for maintenance, it's for provision. God, I need this, God, I need help in this way and that way. I understand that that's part of it. But there's got to be more than just that. There's got to be more than just having a God that provides for us and maintains for us. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And I'll take care of the provision and the maintenance in your life. I've got that covered. You just be a man or woman after my own heart, after my kingdom and all the other stuff. I'm going to take care of it. It's my promise. It's my guarantee to you. Just put your eyes on the kingdom. Does anybody call on the name of the Lord anymore? Besides when you're broke, besides when you're sick, besides when you're in a hard place, does anybody call on the name of the Lord anymore? Is anybody seeking after the power and the manifestation of God? Oh, that thou would rend the heavens and come down, oh Lord. Is anybody praying that way? You want to see America hit revival? Start praying that way. Don't worry about your bank account. Don't worry about all the stuff that's in your house. Don't worry about vacation. Don't worry about all that stuff. Put your eyes on the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Listen to me. I just don't want to call on the name of the Lord just so I can get to heaven. That's what the church has been preaching for so many years. And that's why the church is weak today. They see God as a pass to get out of hell and get into heaven. And there's no relationship whatsoever. We get up here and we preach. If you don't, if you were to die in a car crash and you know you'd probably go to, you'd go to hell, you need to get, go ahead and get saved. There's nothing about God loves you. There's nothing about that he, he gave his life for you. There's nothing about he has a plan for you. He wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. You're, you're, he, he's, the, he's the potter. You're the clay. He's going to work in your life. He, there's none of that. It's just a free ticket. It's a free ticket. It's a free ticket. It's a free ticket. That's what church has been preaching for so long. 
But there's more. There's more to Jesus than just getting a mansion. Who cares about a mansion? You can have the deed to my mansion now. I don't really care about it. I'm going to spend my time with Jesus. I'm going to spend my time at the throne. I'm going to hold his hand. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to hug him. I'm going to, you ever had somebody in your life used to nag you? Everywhere you go, they're right behind you. You ever know somebody? I'm going to nag Jesus. I'm going to nag him to death. You saved me. I love you. You've touched the deep places of my heart. You've healed me. You've redeemed me. You've put a song on the inside of my soul. And the world hasn't been able to, 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 to even touch it. I'm following you, Jesus. How do you take hold of God? You get determined to know Him to the point that you pursue Him at all costs. It also says, who remembers what the Lord has done? Just remember what he's already done. It builds your faith. It builds your faith. You begin to recall what he's already done. It stirs you. It stirs you up. Isaiah said, no one stirs himself up to take hold of God. The Holy Spirit has sent me here with a direct assignment to ask this question to you. Will you, will you stir yourself up to take hold of God? David Ask the question when he walked upon the throne listen to me when David walked on the throne he wore the crown he brought the ark of the covenant back to its rightful place he was doing all the right things he had his kingdom he asked a question that no one had ever asked before and it breaks my heart that no one had ever asked this question. David had in his heart, he said, Lord, I want to build you a house. I want to build you a house, Lord. I don't think it's right that you have to live in this man-made structure made out of sheepskin and badger skin. I want to build you something, God. I want to build something for you. God responded. He said, I've never, I've never had anybody ask me a question like that before. I'm talking about from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Moses, and Joshua. All these, and the judges, and Samson, and Deborah, all these mighty men and women of God. Nobody had ever asked that question before. David in his heart wanted to do something for God. I want to build you a house, oh God. Why did David ask that question? Because David wanted God. Because David had stirred himself up to take hold of God. God, I want you. 
God, I want you. More than anything, I want you, God. I don't know how you feel. I want God. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. It might get messy. I don't really care. I just want God. I want Him. I'm craving Him more than anything. I'm tired of politics in the church. I'm tired of all the stuff that I have to do. I just want God to show up. I want Him to show up in my life. Life is more than just working 40 hours a week and, and cooking and cleaning. I know you got to do that stuff, but there's got to be something more in our life than just those things. I'm talking about running after God, pursuing God. So you got to have all the ingredients. Oh, God. Oh, God, we want you today. Oh, we want you. Oh, we need you. More than anything, more than anything, we need you, oh, God. Oh, we want to run hard after you. Oh, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Oh, how lovely is thy dwelling place, oh, God. Oh, we need you, Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. When shall I appear before the courts of my God? Oh, we need you, we need you. Hallelujah.